Welcome to episode 18 of the Pregactive Podcast as we talk with Dr. Susanna, obstetrician gynecologist, all about the six-week check postpartum. This is so important for pregnant women and new mothers to listen to because there is a discrepancy in the quality of care that women receive postpartum. Through the system, it's ensuring that you go in with confidence, knowing what you can ask and what you should expect of the six-week check postpartum. Hi, I'm Karen, the founder of Pregactive, and through this Pregactive podcast, I'm going to help you to feel empowered, informed, and confident through your pregnancy and motherhood journey as we talk all things health, mind, and fitness. All right, very excited to have Dr. Susanna here with us talking about the postpartum six-week check because so many women go into that not really even knowing what to expect. And so we're very fortunate to have Dr. Susanna. So before we begin, if you could just give us a bit of a brief, a bit of an intro into who you are and what you do. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for inviting me to speak with you today on the postnatal, which is, I find it, after delivery, that is one of the most important uh, appointments. Um, I'm Susanna, and um, my background is I'm Macedonian, and uh, that's why I have very, very multicultural um, being, obviously a woman, and uh, um, uh, from uh, I speak few languages, so I have lots of uh, women from different backgrounds and uh, religions. So I'm really, really um, honoured to look after all those women. Uh, I'm in uh, the obstetrics and gynecology since 1995, but in the private practice, I just started my 17th year and I love it. My passion is obstetrics and uh, looking after pregnant women. Amazing. And that's so important, isn't it? That passion. I think it's so good to have somebody who loves it. So in terms of the six-week check, Give us a bit of a brief as to if somebody came to you, what what do you go through? Uh, for all my mums that I deliver, uh, I definitely encourage them for them to come at six weeks because many of them can hear uh, from their friends, relatives, oh, you don't really need to go for six weeks. You can go to the GP. But for me, that's um, uh, the end of that pregnancy. And first of all, I'm very excited to see uh, the babies that I delivered and have a hold then hug them and the, the all of them are so cute, uh, but also I need to focus on mum. What is important? Important is for us to discuss how the delivery went. It could be a completely beautiful experience with no issues, but it could have been very traumatic birth. And I just want uh, them to understand what went, even though after each delivery, when I go and see them, uh, when I do my ward rounds um, following day, I always discuss delivery to get them to understand, uh, especially if it was something more um, more complex and I had to organize either, I had to do either instrumental delivery or help them uh, with a vacuum uh, or had to do emergency cesarean section. When I go to the room following day, I always explain to them what went through. However, they're all overwhelmed. They, they need to learn how to breastfeed. They need to then the physio comes, then the midwife comes, then they're checked uh, or they've been checked on everything. So they may forget all that. 
And then that's why it's so important. And uh, I get my staff to definitely email and encourage them to all come at their uh, postnatal uh, visit. Why? First, we need to debrief if there is anything. Even if it's a positive experience, that's still debriefing and uh, going through those emotions. Number two, I need to check if they had cesarean section scar. I want to check how the scar is healing. However, that doesn't mean that in those six weeks, they, uh, they, uh, if there is any issues, I encourage everybody, please contact me and call me. Don't call me uh, like at 5, 6 o'clock at night. If you think there is a problem, call me as soon as possible as you think there is a problem. Because sometimes it's better to assess things earlier. Sometimes we don't have enough resources at night if someone, for example, develops mastitis or urinary tract infection or endometritis, which is one of the possible complications of any any birth. Um, so uh, also I go through um, how is their bladder, um, bell. Uh, if uh, someone had, uh, for example, third degree tear, fourth degree tear, I need to check uh, how uh, I do physical examination on the pelvic floor, check how the, uh, the pelvic strength is. Um, if they need uh, cervical screening tests, if they're overdue or they need repeat, I do that at the time. Uh, we go through, uh, I double check um, uh, what's happening with the breastfeeding. Are they happy? Is the milk supply good? If uh, Do I need to send them to see a like, patient consultant if they haven't seen any Anyone. So it covers a lot. Then, of course, we talk about contraception, sexuality, because many women up the, until this point, they're afraid, especially the husbands. That's usually the husband's question. Uh, if they're not in person, uh, they usually get their wives to ask, is it okay to start having intercourse? Um, with um, the, Do you want me to go through each issues? Um, uh, yeah, we will. We'll, yeah, we'll definitely um, break it back up. Just keep, yeah. keep going as you are. So um, uh, it is uh, quite a long visit, so it's not uh, just uh, come in and out. And the very, very, very important uh, that we're doing now over the last uh, at least, um, uh, you know, time flies. It, I think it's good uh, two, three years now that we do mental health assessment. So the mental health assessment is very important and we are trying um, to uh, establish if anyone has uh, issues in the pregnancy. Uh, so normally we check um, uh, the depressions. Uh, we check for if there's any uh, incidents that someone is depressed uh, uh, at uh, about 28 to 30 weeks when we have questionnaire when they ask them. And depending on the score, then uh, I also have perinatal psychologists in my rooms that she can uh, um, attend. Uh, and, and it's uh, from me when the referral is done from me and assist them very quickly. So it is nice to have that emotional support, uh, tips and uh, how to uh, how to carry on and uh, what they need to be, what are their needs, emotional needs that we need to address. Uh, with COVID, you can understand it's much more um, stressful um, uh, as we all have that mental stress uh, of the unknown because it's something new that we um, uh, are not going, uh, we haven't um, had this before. Pandemia is uh, not, uh, it's only once in a century. So, and uh, we are unfortunate to say that uh, in our lifetime now we have to deal with that as well and vaccination and all those uh, questions that are still unknown even though we still have plenty of um, experience but for the everyday person it's not very um, uh, common that what they are going through. 
Uh, and at the end, uh, of course, I discuss contraception, future pregnancies, um, and depending what I found uh, at the delivery, uh, if someone had very traumatic delivery, I definitely discuss with them how would you feel uh, if you have another vaginal birth and uh, uh, what, what I want to see how is the experience. And then, of course, um, when they come back for the second pregnancy, uh, we always I always go back to the um, to the delivery. Uh, if someone had um, a vagina uh, uh, emergency cesarean section, then we go through the risk and complications for vaginal birth and if they are suitable for vaginal birth after cesarean section, which I'm very very happy to encourage women to do to do so. Amazing. <laughs> and you know what? I, this is where I do get frustrated when women say, at my six-week check, I wasn't checked. There was nothing talked about with me. And, and I think it's so important that we go through this. And I'll, I'll be detailing all of what you've just said in the show notes so that it's easy for women to absorb. But talking about the birth, I think that's really important because it does have a big impact on that postpartum recovery and mentally and physically and to, to also be able to debrief through it. I, I agree with you about the overwhelm. I remember, you know, um, I, I had a 3B tear myself and I remember the doctor coming in and saying all of these things and I was like, whoa, 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 I've just had a baby. Like, you know, it's it, it does seem a lot at that point. So to be able to go and have that debrief once you've you sort of soaked it all in and realised what happened. <laughs> now you've got a baby and everything else is under control. So I guess that would be a really good conversation point for you, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And and leading into that, the mental health. Now you've mentioned that um, the mental health questionnaires and, and, and part of the postpartum check is actually compulsory for all healthcare Absolutely. professionals. Yes. yes, it is, yeah. Uh, definitely, you you have to do it. Um, there, there's no doubt uh, about it. So there is um, a program called iCare. Um, so that is um, uh, I forgot who is the name of the uh, psychologist that is um, uh, that found uh, that uh, is the um, organizer of that program. But uh, at the moment, uh, because I'm quite happy to do it, I haven't organized for them to do my mental, mental, uh, mental health care plan. But other practices, when they have more doctors, um, they're using that program. Yeah, great. And, and that's they, the they channel them in the, um, but because I'm lucky that I have perinatal psychologists in my room. So um, I, I find uh, that I like to ask those questions. So I feel confident and comfortable to ask those questions. And of course, if I notice that something is uh, in the pregnancies, how do you feel? Because I always ask how they feel and if there is any issues. If they see something, I don't wait until 28 weeks to do the mental health uh, care plan. I just uh, act on it uh, sooner. And that's important, isn't it? Yeah, to have it both in the pregnancy and in postpartum, that it's just definitely. Because for, yeah, for many people is overwhelming, um, especially for people, for the women that are here, because I see lots of uh, women from uh, um, uh, different backgrounds and um, uh, some are not supported. Some, some are here from uh, like on student visas, some here on working visas and don't have their family support. So they don't have their village to help them. And I was one of them uh, 30, almost 30 years ago and 28 years ago, I had no uh, family. So it was just me and my husband and it was 
not easy after emergency cesarean section to do all those things that I tell my mums not to do, cooking, cleaning. Um, my husband had to go back to work uh, at the time, so he could not stay home and help me. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I didn't find that difficult. Uh, it was just nostalgia that I didn't have my family, but uh, I was just over the moon to 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 be by myself and my baby and and everything. So to be honest, maybe it's my personality. I just did not. Uh, it was not easy, but I was just um, happy, very happy. Which is so good and so beautiful. You know, I speak to my ninety-year-old grandmother who had six children, and she had four under the age of five. And she's the same. She's like, it was great. I loved them. And, you know, she did everything and just surrendered almost to that motherhood. Whereas in today's society, there is this weird pressure to keep up with everything and, you know, the social media and the, you know, everything and try to be everything and to everybody and I think a big part of that acceptance postpartum is actually going just be the mother to this beautiful baby and just look after yourself and that's okay I was just about to say the same thing uh, that's what I want if one thing uh, people uh, women that will listen to this um, podcast uh, remember is that we've all been through that it's not easy Learning to breastfeed, bloody difficult in the first day, 10 days. But after that, oh, my God, it's the easiest thing. So just put uh, some effort into it. It is, uh, as we say, no pain, no gain. But you gain no bottles, no sterilizing. If you have good milk supply and uh, your baby um, sucks well, no problem. It's beautiful feeling. And I felt rejected when they, when they you know, uh, all of a the sudden they win themselves. It was the, the worst feeling, and you feel, oh my god, you know, I just because you feel that bonding. And women have too much expectations; they have too much pressure from, as you mentioned yourself, social media, their friends. Doesn't mean that their friends really went that easy, uh, but some people forget what they went through. So I say to all of them, I went through the same. I uh, I was a doctor, but I was not obstetrician when I had my babies. I was not pediatrician, so I I uh, there were always some things that I was not happy, but. You ask your mum, you ask your mother-in-law and, uh, you know, few close friends and, uh, you know, and you just learn yourself every day more and more. Just love your baby and don't um, pressure yourself and everything will be much, uh, much easier. And that's so important as well, I think, is those resources. Don't be afraid to ask questions. But uh, when it comes to asking questions, it's really important to ask the right people because if you get the wrong opinion, uh, then it, it can be really difficult. Um, I know there's obviously a lot of pressure in those first few weeks for women in terms of breastfeeding and it it can be too much and obviously the stress increase doesn't help the process so just if they need to you know like you said call ask ask your healthcare professional because it's really really important yeah and we do uh, even my staff and myself we are when they leave hospital as i mentioned before i say to them don't hesitate to call if they have any questions even if you think it's very silly question and then uh, they leave a message with my girls if i'm with a patient or i'm at delivery and then at the end of the day or when i'm between patients i'll give them a quick call uh, reassurance is so important especially mm. for first time moms even second time moms sometimes you get second time moms they they say oh god, my god i don't remember anything uh, it wasn't like this the first day Probably don't tell me that. 
playing the first baby, but they just, uh, you know, they suppress that memory and it's um, uh, because it wasn't important and then it here it comes again. Breastfeeding yeah. is uh, very important if uh, if they're happy to breastfeed. And another thing is uh, I don't want them to be pressured that they must breastfeed if the, if uh, things are not right. Um, I remember for a few patients of mine that had uh, such a bad mastitis that uh, they even took uh, a while to fall pregnant for the second baby because uh, the memory of being in hospital, IV antibiotics, mm-hmm. that temperature, that pain, and uh, or someone that if they had abscess, thank God that's not very often as well. Yeah. And, that, and it just goes back to, to show that, that that whole debrief and, and releasing some of that Very tension important. and trauma is really important as well. Yeah, so in terms of wound healing, um, particularly, well, c- C-section wounds but also um, tears are really a worry for a lot of moms and um, getting that checked is, is really important in the six-week check, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And if they have any issues, any worries, again, um, when they call, uh, I ask them, because sometimes it's not easy, especially in COVID situation, I get them to take a photo of the wound, send them through my um, email, uh, and I have a look, and then I call them and I said, what is your worry? I see your wound. It doesn't look red, doesn't look infected. So sometimes it's, uh, as you know, um, obesity is a big uh, issue in our society. So uh, many times you have a woman that is uh, that her BMA is higher. So when you you have more fat tissue that is more prone to get infected emergency cesarean section that can have increased risk for uh, wound um, uh, infection so uh, that's why we give antibiotics uh, or we do you, uh, give uh, routinely but if someone had long labor uh, they are febrile at delivery so i sometimes uh, um, give them uh, longer or a couple of um, uh, doses or three doses in uh, 24 hours but i tell them a wound care is very important these days we have the dressing that sits on the wound. Uh, it is um, protective, so we I, uh, ask them to remove it in two weeks. But if there is any issues, I get them to come if I need to change the dressing, if they have lots of oozing. Um, so I just double check and see if they need um, any uh, like antibiotic treatment. I'm not very fast to give them antibiotics if they don't need it uh, because there is no point of giving something if there is no um, infection. Um, urinary tract infection can be uh, common. Endometritis can uh, can happen in the first fortnight if there is a little bit of retained membrane or just the, the germs that are the normal vaginal flora or if someone had group B strep or urea plasma or different germs that live in the vagina can cause uh, endometritis. And uh, But uh, that's why I want them to call me so I know the symptoms. Many times they don't want to bother me because I deliver them, so they, they're they not coming. Then all of a sudden I'll hear from the GP that will call me uh, to ask me. I said, oh, why didn't you come? Oh, I didn't think I should call you. So it doesn't matter how many times, they, they, you know, sometimes you just don't uh, absorb it, what I said. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you go, how did you not hear? You know, I want you to call me. You're not bothering me. That's my job. <laughs> That's so great. You know, if someone had traumatic, as you said, three, you had yourself three B uh, tear. So I want to see. I want to see what's happening, how it looks. If there is any, uh, like some, sometimes women get very worried if the stitch, stitches fall out. That's fine. They're absorbable stitches, so they, you'll notice when you uh, wipe yourself. So, but if there is any smell, if there is any pain or increasing pain that you need more pain relief when you go home than when you were in the hospitals, I'm not happy with that. I want to see her. Um, uh, in that case, she must come. 
And so in terms of that wound, so say let's go back to the C-section wound. You said leave leave it on for two weeks. What is some of the things that you give tips-wise to women about keeping their wound, you know, healing and, and dry? Just, uh, keep it nice, uh, clean and dry. Yeah. Um, there are some dressings that we can leave up to four or five weeks um, uh, and that uh, I usually use that dressing uh, for women that are of Asian background or women that are known to have lots of keloid. Uh, so sometimes leaving it there so you have good skin to skin uh, at the cesarean section if it's uh, uh, the wound looks nice and that is a bacteriostatic that keeps the wound nice and dry. You can have your showers and um, then when you peel it off, the, the, the line is really nice. Um, uh, but it is mostly for, for them not to think about it, that they need to have an extra care because the dressing, uh, especially the one that I use, Lucumet, is, um, uh, it, it has gel in it, absorbs all the secretions, so, and it's, again, um, uh, waterproof, so they, can, they don't need to think. So that's, a, you know, not, they don't have any, that extra, oh, what, if something happening with my wound, nothing is happening. It's uh, skin, it will heal. Perfect. And uh, perineum. Perineum heals very well. Uh, and uh, every time we say to uh, to women when they go home, when if they had, let's say, second degree, third degree, or even first degree, or few graces that you need to do, few stitching, um, um, because you just had delivery, immunity is down, you lost some blood. Sometimes uh, there's just the overgrowth of the germs that live in the vagina. Bacteria can cause uh, uh, inflammation in the tissue because uh, – when you push the baby, baby sitting there and going, traveling through the birth canal, that all of a sudden, all that uh, surrounding tissue in the birth canal, the, pel the uh, pelvic floor gets inflamed. So uh, all that needs to heal. So uh, I, I ask them to have um, uh, like salt water baths, um, keep it nice and dry after the shower, not to wipe it, just to dab. Um, sometimes you can use the hairdryer if you don't, if you don't feel like, you know, dabbing too much with the towel. If it feels very sensitive because it can. That's a really good point too. Sometimes, I they, actually... sometimes they do have um, um, uh, lots of bruising from like some vessels burst inside, so they have this um, bruising when you see on the perineum. So it doesn't look good, but usually uh, heals within uh, ten days, two weeks. Exactly. All those points are so important, and I I actually got my husband to go out and get some salt because we didn't have salt <laughs> in the house or lots of it. We had a little thing, but um, yeah, that was one thing I I didn't know going into uh, postpartum, particularly having my my tear, that salt baths were really important, and you know like. Those tips are really, really helpful in helping to reduce the uh, issues later in with the wounds. Yeah. Perfect. Some cultures, believe it or not, they do that routinely, like Arabic women. They they do the salt baths. Um, uh, I think that's cultural because they tell me that. Yeah, some of the now with the COVID, many of them have gone back because I have lots of Saudi Arabian students uh, here or wives of uh, the students that I deliver, and they they definitely do it. Yeah. Do you do warm bath or cold bath? Warm. What you, warm. Yeah. Okay. Not, not too hot. Not too hot. Not too hot. Not too cold. Yeah. Good. Now, another 
thing to remember for the woman going into this six-week check is obviously you go through so much, but also there are things that um, you know you may refer on. And diastasis recti, which is abdominal separation, it, that is something that if you're if the woman's not seeing a a doctor that is specialized in checking diastasis recti, it's really important that she also goes and sees a women's health physiotherapist to get Absolutely. that check. Yeah. Yeah. I do check, but I don't go into uh, details because uh, we are so lucky. Um, here at uh, Freemasons, we have the Fitwise Studio uh, physiotherapists that come. At uh, St. Vincent, they have their own physio because I work in both hospitals. Um, and they're really good. Uh, every woman is seen by a physio um, uh, at, um, after delivery. And sometimes I do have a special um, request because women that have like traumatic vaginal birth or they had uh, third degree tear, it's very important that they look after their bowels as well because we don't want them to have constipation and we don't want them to Train. Uh, and there are lots of things we can help them with. So that's why um, I request physio to see them. Uh, otherwise, for the, for the rest of them, they have physio. They, they usually check. So I already know if they had um, what the physio told them. And many times when they come in six weeks, they said, can you check? And I just get them to cough. I know how to check, but uh, I usually refer them to a specialist uh, like uh, for women's health physio. Yeah, Because exactly. that's how good what they do. And there's so many women, I think that's the thing about um, pregnancy and birth and postpartum is the unknown. And, uh, you know, a lot of women I talk to, I'll, you know, they'll talk about these things like they've got back pain and, and you know, the protruding belly, the mummy tummy, and, and I'll yes. say, oh, do you have diastasis recti? Do you have any abdominal separation? And they go, I don't know. And <laughs> it's this panic. And it's, it's something that is so simple to get diagnosed and, once you do then you've got a better understanding because you know what we only have one body and looking after your body particularly when it's gone through so much is really important particularly early postpartum because if it's oh I don't know and I, I'm too nervous to ask anyone then months maybe years down the track is the regret is the regret that they didn't ask early on and yes there's a lot going on and you know your brain's not functioning at optimal because of all the sleep deprivation and all the changes happening but to prioritize you just a little bit is really really important yeah we actually have it as a self-diagnose check um in our call rehab because you know i got tired of women being so unsure and it's important for them to have that self-knowledge but also then for them to go and see a women's health physio if they have any concerns at all really important yeah that's and, and um so i'm smiling and laughing because contraception and future pregnancies it's almost sometimes immediately after birth it's like that's not the first thing I'm thinking about. But for some yes. women, it is. For some women, um, we've sort of got to yes. plan ahead. Yeah, yes. so that's a conversation. So um, we go through all methods of contraception. It depends whether they are uh, breastfeeding or not. Uh, what is their... Um, because you'll have women that will say, I don't want to get pregnant. Uh, this is, uh, you know, or they had uh, two or three children and, uh, um, uh, you know, they definitely don't want any... Uh, un, unwanted or an unplanned pregnancy. So I definitely discuss with them because it's very um, 
the fertility comes back. You're breastfeeding, but uh, you can still fall pregnant. So breastfeeding is not contraception. Um, so that's why we discuss if they're breastfeeding, if they're eligible and they have pro no problem, I can prescribe the mini pill. Sometimes they already had, um, for example, Myrina IUD, or now we have Kylina IUD. So uh, those are a very good um, method for contraception uh, because it's progesterone only and does not interfere with, um, uh, with the breastfeeding. If they're not breastfeeding, we can go back on whatever they had. They had, um, um, for example, IUD or they want to go back on the full pill. Um, some women just are happy to use condoms and like, barrier method. Um, diaphragm here in Australia is not very popular. We don't have many women that use diaphragm. Um, and, uh, of course, sometimes you have women that want permanent contraception, um, like tubal ligation, or the husbands go and undergo um, vasectomy. However, until the, the vasectomy is done and you have to have clear, uh, no, um, no uh, viable sperm in three months in the ejaculate, so that means you still need contraception in those um, coming months. So I always discuss uh, what they were on before. Are they happy to continue with the same method or do we need to change something? Uh, and of course, I have women that have uh, like family history of breast cancer. Um, so we, we discuss like what is the length of uh, um, the pill, how long it should be or uh, on it, or should you have an alternative method of contraception? Amazing. So important to have that knowledge and to, to go through it because I do know women who have fallen pregnant pretty quick after and gone, I didn't plan for this. And yeah, it all just sort of is a lot for them. Um, some women want that and that's fine, but it's more about being prepared and knowing what works and what doesn't work um yeah i actually got asked the other day can you get pregnant like the day after you give birth i'm like well i don't think that would really. be possible <laughs> not, that not that quick but um there has have been instances uh, i don't uh, remember many but i probably have one or two that were sort of in very early pregnancy their six weeks appointment <gasps> because uh, wow. when you, after you deliver the ovaries start working again so oh the, the cycle is um uh, is getting ready but not not often in the <laughs> years i uh, i know of two that were uh, like either at seven or eight weeks they were already conceiving uh, have conceived the second child because mm -hmm. they didn't think they can get pregnant in the first six weeks <laughs> listen up ladies <laughs> it's important information Wow, that is incredible. The, I just am so amazed and I'm, I'm assuming so are you about the woman's body. It's just the most incredible thing and what it can do. And um, I think being supported through that pregnancy journey and then birth, but then also this early postpartum journey is really important. And uh, going through you know, everything that you've just spoke about. Obviously, there's the cervical screening test as well that you do if, if that's needed. But just uh, giving women the empowerment and the, the, you know, feeling confident as they go into their check. And the other thing to remember is that if they're not seeing, you know, an obstetrician like yourself that's so knowledgeable in this area, if they're going just to a you know, the normal GP that may not do these checks very regular and the GP doesn't cover everything that you have covered, that then they feel confident in booking themselves in with 
a women's health physio or a women's you know psychologist or something that gives them that help because for myself I know I invested and I would always invest in myself um, with treatments and things like that throughout the pregnancy but particularly later in the pregnancy and then I had a women's health um, physio appointment day three she came to my house I had one week three week six and week nine and then through the hospital system because of my 3B tear, I had one at 10 weeks booked. But if I hadn't have booked those other ones, it would have been a 10-week wait until I saw anybody for this tear, apart from just a, a quick, you know, the six-week check with a GP. And, that, that, you know, you also take a bit of ownership for yourself and reach out Use the resources. Obviously, the women seeing you have got you as that amazing resource. But those who don't see you, you know, making sure that you're you're taking a little bit of ownership in making sure you see the healthcare professionals that are going to look after you. Yeah. Yes, and or they need to be aware that they exist. So because some people are just um, some women are just not aware that uh, they're there. Exactly. That's it. Well, and thank you. Thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Susanna. It's so important that, the, that we talk through this topic. And as I mentioned, we'll put everything in the show notes um, so that women feeling overwhelmed now at how much information there was, they can reread it and re-listen to this and, um, yeah, come out of that six-week check feeling a little bit more confident in their bodies. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Such incredible information there from Dr. Susanna and really important to remember that it may not actually be a six-week check for women. There may be different time frames that this happens, but it's really important to follow up and make sure that around that time that you're having some sort of appointment with a healthcare professional that's going to take that time with you to go over your needs to check over your body, to debrief with you about how you are. It's such an important part of your recovery and really important also if you don't feel like you've received that quality information to seek other opinions, to get another appointment with another healthcare professional. So take all of this on board Get into your zone with your empowerment, feel confident in yourself and know that this is an important step in your postpartum recovery. As always, you'll see the show notes over at pregactive.com. Thanks for listening to the Pregactive Podcast. We love hearing from you, so leave us a comment or a review. And hey, even request a future podcast when you head over to the show notes at pregactive.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend because the more, the merrier. I'll see you next time.